What's up, everybody? It is Monday. Let's see what day it is. December the 16th, 2019. And this is the Kingsman Report uh, live podcast. It's the news everyone ignores. Um, I have a whole bunch of articles that I'm going to go over tonight. Um, a lot of it has to do with staging, military staging that's going on. It's, it's more ramped up now. Um, the thumbnail says Israel versus Turkey. So there was like a move against a research ship out in the uh, Cyprus where uh, Turkey basically kicked them out. And now they're saying that if Israel wants to move anything through there, they're going to have to ask permission from Turkey. And Turkey has no ownership over it. So I have that. I have uh, some warnings and some tech news. Plus an idiot, you know, stole um, $80,000 from, uh, from a bank, took a picture of it, and then bragged about it on the on the internet. So I'm going to go over that. It's pretty funny. Uh, I think he wins the award for the biggest idiot on the face of the earth. But I have that and a whole bunch more. Uh, this is a live podcast, and it is a call-in. You can call in. The number is one four zero eight six three eight zero nine six eight, and you'll have to enter the meeting ID. It's 534-233-4758. You can also send um, emails to the email, kingsmanreport2019 at gmail.com, and all the information is streaming across the bottom of the screen. And um, all the links to all the articles that I'm going to go over tonight are also in the uh, description below. So I'm going to get situated here, and then I'll be right back. All right, 
Sorry, you had to bear with the glitching. I'm using a, a background, a chroma key background. So um, I want to go ahead and mention to people that uh, subscribe. Thanks to everybody that subscribed to the channel. Um, Yorkie Lover, Jamie Swim, Mr. Grumpy, George Papa to Isaac, Murphy's Law, uh, Marcia G, Awakened by the Looking Glass Reflection, Tim Stark, Christopher York, Mike Johnson, Anna Vanput, Anthony Booth, and Kelly B. Uh, thank you guys all for subscribing to the channel. I'm fairly small. Like I said, this is a podcast, just a live podcast. I've been doing podcasts for a, a really long time. Um, uh, and then I, I kind of just walked away from it and started back up again. So uh, I just decided to start screaming. So, like I said, uh, the chat's open. You can chat in there. If you subscribe, it'll pop up on the screen as well. Um, I... I I will also put a link to the podcast in the description um, whenever uh, I'm done doing this. I'll have to upload it, and then I will put it in the uh, description below, along with all the article articles that I'm about to read. So, first article says, Visa warns of POS malware incidents at gas pumps across North America. So I'm going to cover a lot of stuff, and this stuff is probably from yesterday. I I had a situation here. Uh, all my settings in OBS crashed. Uh, I had to start over from scratch. My mic levels everything. So I'm I haven't even read a whole lot of news today. So I'm going to go over stuff that that happened yesterday. Um, so I tend to cover a lot of tech stuff. I cover uh, uh, war stuff, rioting stuff. Uh, different topics like that and then if you know something breaks or goes crazy then I, I'll cover that stuff as well so if you guys don't know what a point of sale is this this is not anything new it's actually happened here uh, I think my brother-in-law was a victim of it um, but people put uh, skimmers in um, in the gas station pump or at the gas pump inside of the uh, the credit card machine at the gas pump that's why my wife and I always walk in um, but whenever you go to scan that, it, it gets all the information off your debit or credit card, and then they use that, and they can do, I mean, charge it, whatever. We found out charges from my brother-in-laws were happening in Tulsa, uh, which is uh, about 45 minutes south of where I'm at. So it's becoming more, more predominant now. Uh, the article says, Payment Processor Visa says North American merchants who operate gas stations and gas pumps are facing a rash of attacks from cybercrime groups, away, uh, groups awaiting to deploy point-of-sale or POS malware on their networks. In two separate alerts published in November and December, respectively, Visa said its security team investigated at least five incidents of the sort. Um, the payment processor said cybercrime groups carried out attacks with the main purpose of gaining access to fuel dispenser merchants' networks, uh, where they install POS malware. POS malware works by continuously scrapping a computer's RAM uh, for what looks like unencrypted payment card data, which collects and then uploads to a remote server. The Visa Payment Fraud Distribution, or PFD, team has uh, says cybercrime groups appear to have found a weak spot in how gas stations and gas pump operators work. While the in-store POS terminals of some merchants might support chip and pin transactions, most of the card readers installed on gas pumps do not. 
and these gas pump card readers still operate on older technology that can only read payment data from the card's magnetic stripe. Data from these outdated card readers is sent, is sent uncrypted to the gas station's main network where crooks have realized they can intercept it. Visa documented breaches at two fuel dispenser merchants in a November 2019 security alert and another three breaches in a December 2019 alert. The two alerts highlighted a new target um, and modus operandi uh, for cyber crime groups. The attacks on fuel dispenser merchants began over the summer, Visa said. Two of the five attacks were linked to a known cyber crime operation known as Fin 8. Visa said the easiest ways for fuel dispenser merchants to safeguard customers is to either encrypt card data while it's being transferred across the network or stored in memory or shift to a chip and pin card acceptance policy. Fuel dispenser merchants uh, sh should take note of this activity and deploy devices that support chip and pin uh, whenever possible, as this will significantly lower the likelihood of these attacks, Visa said. Fuel dispenser merchants have until October 2020 to deploy chip and pin compatible card readers on their gas pumps. And starting in November 2020, Visa said liability for any card fraud would shift from itself to the merchants, which will likely motivate many operators to update their gas pumps card readers. Until then, many are still vulnerable to attacks. And as I always say, if you feel like you've been a victim of a crime like this, uh, you want to shut down your card as soon as possible and then uh, contact your credit card or your bank, your credit card provider. So this well, was $88,000. Uh, this guy, as far as criminality goes, this guy's idiocracy takes the cake. Um, I mean, how stupid can you be? Uh, prosecutors say a man stole $88,000 from a bank vault. And the FBI caught him after he flashed stacks of cash on social media. I don't know if this got the picture. No. But um, on the other article, yeah, you can see the pictures. He has a big wad of cash, and he's sitting there smiling at the camera. How do you deny that after that? Um, he's an idiot. It says, if you're systematically stealing money from a bank vault, it may not be a good idea to post the evidence on your social media pages. A bank, Yeah, he was a bank employee. A bank employee in Charlotte, North Carolina, allegedly stole $88,000 from a bank vault, according to a release from the United States Attorney's Office, Western District of North Carolina. And he wasn't bashful about advertising to his social media followers. Um, the life of luxury he was funding. The release said a criminal indicted, uh, indictment was unsealed this week in federal court following the arrest of Orlando Henderson, 29, by the FBI in San Diego. The unsealed indictment alleges Henderson stole cash out of a vault in separate allotments on at least 18 different occasions this year. Throughout July and August 2019, Henderson used a social media account to post several pictures of him holding large stacks of cash, according to the release. He then allegedly committed loan fraud in connection with the purchase of a luxury automobile, it said. What an idiot. Henderson's numerous Facebook and Instagram photos depict him posing with stacks of cash, and the U.S. Attorney's Office says he used the money to make a $20,000 down payment on a new Mercedes-Benz. Dude, if you're, if you're not, if you don't have a way to prove that you have the income, don't make extravagant purchases. That's how you get caught, doofus.
He allegedly also falsified bank documents to obtain a car loan from another financial institution to cover the remaining balance of the vehicle, prosecutor said. Henderson's Facebook and Instagram posts from September show him posting or posing with a white Mercedes-Benz in Hollywood, California, and he was arrested about three months later on December the 4th. Um, and then, you know, CNN reached out to him. No comment. According to the details of the indictment contained in the release, Henderson allegedly took uh, bank customers' cash deposits out of the bank vault for months. Many of those times, he uh, deposited money into an ATM near the bank where he worked, according to the release. See how see what I mean by this guy takes the cake for the biggest idiots on the uh, the criminal mind. This guy's just dumb. Um, I make it look easy, but this shit really a process. He wrote in a Facebook post, part of a string in which he talked about building his brand, quote brand. Uh, that post showed him holding a stack of money and smoking a cigarette. Detailing information from the indictment, uh, the release says that Henderson destroyed certain documents and that he made or caused others to make false entries into bank books and records uh, to cover up the theft. And I guarantee he's going to drop a dime on them and they're going to go down with them because that's what they all do. Um, says he could face decades in prison. Henderson has been charged with 19 counts of theft, embezzlement, in misapplication, along with 12 counts of making false entries and two counts of financial institution fraud, those crimes carry a maximum penalty of 30 years and $1 million fine. He also is charged with transactional money laundering, which carries a penalty of 10 years behind bars and $250,000 fine. He appeared in U.S. District Court in Southern California earlier this month, according to the release, with a case set to be tried in North Carolina by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Charlotte. You are not a you are not a uh, smart individual, sir. But I'm gonna tell you this: if you did that and then you bragged about it, don't bring anyone else into it. But it sounds to me like you probably already told on everybody that uh, were your partners there in crime. So I talk about PG and E, and I did a video on them, and then I said that this was part of Agenda 21 in a way that the government will try to take over the commodities from the people. Um, so. You know, they went through the bankruptcy process. Uh, there's rumors out there out there that uh, Rothschilds own um, part of PG&E. Don't know if that's true or not. And then, um, you know, people who watched the video said that they were tired of it over there and that they had even came up with a, uh, uh, a petition you could sign where you could remove him out of office. But people were pretty upset with what's going on over there. So the, this article here um, is from December the 14th. It says California Governor Gavin Newsom was expected to decide late on Friday whether a bankruptcy reorganization plan submitted by PG&E Corps, the state's largest investor-owned utility company, complies with the recent enacted state wildlife law. Uh, from what I understand, well, this is what some some of the people believe. I'm just saying what someone believes. This isn't me speculating or saying that it's true. But people over there in California said that he and some of his goons, um, or he hired some goons, or him and some of his goons were kicking brush under some of these um, uh, exposed power lines where some of these fires are starting. Had the brush been cleaned away properly like it was supposed to be maintained by PG&E or the city or whoever maintains the property over there, 
uh, they believe that a lot of those fires wouldn't have broken out. So that's what they believe, and that's why they want to remove him, or some of the people want to remove him. Yes, um, I actually did a video on, um, hey Chuck, I actually did a, a video on that, on uh, DWs. Gotta go check it out. It's a, it's an older one, but uh, yeah, I did one on uh, on direct energy weapons. And some people speculate that that's what the cause of the fires are also, are direct energy weapons. Who knows? Uh, where we sit now, that may be a conspiracy. It says uh, the state utility uh, has until midnight on Friday to inform PG&E of its plan, including a $13.5 billion settlement with victims of wildlife uh, wildfires blamed on the company's power lines. Uh, meets criteria established under the statute known as Assembly Bill 1054, which was enacted in July. Newsom was expected to make a public statement on the reorganization plan on Friday night, according to a spokesman for the governor, Nathan Click. Uh, the law requires the utility under reorganization to show improved safety and operation, operating its transmission lines, progress towards achieving state clean energy goals, and fair treatment of ratepayers. Otherwise, the state might take action on its own and force a restructuring. This is what I mean by. Uh, the governmental overlords taking possession of your commodities, such as, you know, natural gas, um, electricity. And then I think it's how they're going to try to roll out this whole green initiative, which is part of Agenda 2030. If you don't know, I did a video on that also, and you can go watch that, and it goes through all the crap explaining what Agenda 21 is, also known as now Agenda 2030. If Newsom decides PG&E plan falls short, the company would still have until Tuesday to propose changes to meet the state's demands, a necessary step to, uh, before it can submit its plan for a vote by creditors and final approval from bankruptcy judge in San Francisco. PG&E filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in January, citing projected civil liberties in excess of $30 billion from blazes in 2017 and 2018. Uh, by its equipment, including a wildfire last year that killed 85 people and destroyed the town of Paradise. I have a friend that lived there in Paradise, and she lost everything from that fire. Um, it says ranking as California's deadliest wildfire in record. In recent months, PG&E resorted to a series of widespread power shutoffs that led hundreds of thousands of its customers without electricity for days during periods of extremely high winds and dry conditions. For the blackouts and rage customer regulators and politicians, including Newsom, who accused PG&E of failing, uh, failing through greed and mismanagement to invest in proper maintenance and upgrades of its power system. PG&E has denied putting profits ahead of public safety while acknowledging it needs to do a better job of protecting the grid from fire hazards. Newsom had floated the idea of a state takeover of the utility if it failed to satisfy his demands and has insisted that where whatever entity emerges from bankruptcy must be, quote, completely transformed and more accountable. The governor's determination that PG&E reorganization plan comply with the new uh, law, AB 1054, was a prerequisite sorry, for the utility proposed settlement with wildfire victims. The law creates wildfire liability fund that investor-owned utilities can access the wildfire claims, 
provided the utilities can contri- uh, contribute towards the fund and make a combined $5 billion investment towards improvement in their electrical grids. So I'm not going to go into the whole history of everything here, but most definitely, if um, if you want to go check out the, the video I did on, um, on direct energy weapons, uh, definitely go check that one out. Uh, so the chat says, Chuck says, good thing China and India don't have a deal with a climate agenda till 2031. It won't kill them for 12 years after that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think uh, China's pretty much in, in charge right now of doing the whole uh, tech thing that has to do with the... Uh, uh, takeover of everything you know the facial recognition software that's going on all that good uh infringement upon your freedoms but you know i look at it this way um they tell us that we need their help or they tell us that we need their you know help they sell it to us as a convenience and they say this is to protect you and then we just hand over our liberties to them and that's what the problem is as long as we just fold and we just continue to hang o- hand over our liberties to these people, then you're not going to have, they're weathering away from your freedoms because you're just like, here, take my liberties, take, take everything. We, yes, we need your help. It, 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 it look where it's gotten us now. So this is, this is interesting. You guys never been to the Alamo. Um, it's awesome. Uh, my younger brother's named after William Barrett Travis. My, Mothers from Texas. So uh, this says three bodies discovered buried at the Alamo in Texas. Three bodies buried in a monk burial room. Uh, and nave of the Alamo Church has been discovered, according to the Texas General Land Office and the Alamo Mission Archaeological Advi- Advisory Committee. The bodies appear to belong to a teenager or a young adult, an infant, and a large adult, according to a committee press release. The bodies were discovered during an archaeological project inside and around the Alamo Church in Long Barrack in San Antonio to install moisture monitoring equipment while documenting the foundations of the 300-year-old structures, according to the release. The bodies have not been moved, and after they were discovered, a long-standing human remains protocol was activated. The on-site tribal monitors was notified and excavated, was halted at the site, the release said. Remains uh, were also discovered at the site in 1989 and identified in 1995, according to the release. So, if you guys want to check that out, um, that was just a you know a brief uh, article there. But if you guys want to check that one out, all the links to all the articles are in the description below. Like I said, uh, you can listen to this in podcast form uh, afterwards, and I'll post the, after I get it all edited and uploaded to. Uh, my podcast platform then i'll put the link in the description as well so this is interesting and this is the second time this has happened within a couple of months not in the same area but um but uh hang on just a second check the chat real quick Uh, no, I, I didn't say whether or not it was Giants or not. I don't believe it was. Um, 
most of the giants that were here in this country in the Lovelock Caves out west, uh, I haven't heard of them finding any of, of them around here. Um, but who knows? So, like I said, this this has happened recently. Uh, well, they had another one of these incidents happen, I guess, a month or two ago where they found um, one of these. I, I got to be careful about saying this, that word on here. Um, they found one of these, and they evacuated a whole town. Uh, the airspace above where they found it, well, they found another one. And this says a World War II uh, BOMB um, discovered prompts evacuation of 54,000 from southern Italy town. It says about 54,000 people were ordered to evacuate the southern Italy town of Brindisi, uh, I guess that's how you pronounce it, on Sunday as experts were called to defuse a World War II explosive uh, discovered last month in a movie theater that was under renovation according to a report. Marked the largest peacetime evacuation in Italy to date, Rouge reported, citing the Milan uh, newspaper Corri della Sera Daily. More than 60% of the city's residents were forced to flee a red zone encompassing and about a one mile radius of the site where the bomb, uh, the device was found. So, if you guys want to go on it, I'm just going to skip over this, but this was out there. Um, if you guys want to read more about this article, you can uh, check that out in the link as well. So all of these cyber attacks happening. I read of one in the beginning, which is, you know, uh, point of sale uh, software that they use to extract your credit card and uh, banking information. That, are, which is this is that that's not new information. That's that's been going on for a while. They find skimmers all the time, especially around here for some reason. People like to skim credit cards. Uh, we also know that um, New Orleans is being held basically for ransom by whoever attacked that we don't necessarily know who it is but i think it's funny they ask for um money and pounds so i don't know if they are getting an idea where that came from and i don't even know i i haven't checked the mail or the uh i haven't checked the news today to find out if they're um if they've paid the ransom yet or or whatever's going on there so this one comes out i ran foil's second cyber attack in a week uh, a lot of this stuff's going on. More dependent upon technology we come, we become, the more and more and more hackers are going to take or try to take control of it. Steal your information, hack whatever you want. The ring doorbells, all of it's getting hacked. Um, so, uh, welcome to the future, everyone. Enjoy. It says Iran has foiled a second cyber attack in under a week. The country's telecommunications minister says. Uh, Muhammad Javid Azari Jeromi said the attack had targeted uh, Iranian electronic government systems, and the minister did not give details. A similar claim was made about Wednesday's, quote, massive attack. In June this year, the Iran, Iran's weapon system came under a cyber attack, U.S. media report suggested. And what was, what was attacked in Iran this time? Mr. Jeromi made an announcement of a second attack this week on Twitter. He said... The Dejva Fortress had managed to thwart the attacks, which had used the well-known APT-27, which experts have linked to Chinese-speaking hackers. Without giving further details, the minister said servers and hackers had been, quote, tracked. Uh, 
Last Wednesday, Mr. Jerome told Iran's official uh, Ernan News Agency that a, quote, massive cyber attack had targeted Iran's electronic infrastructure. A day earlier, the minister had dismissed reports that millions of Iranian bank accounts had been hacked. Uh, why did the U.S. attack? Uh, why did the U.S. attack Iran in June? According to the Washington Post newspaper, uh, the U.S. attack in June as President Trump pulled out of the airstrike on the country disabled computer systems controlling rocket and missile launches. It was in retaliation for the shooting down of a U.S. drone as well as attacks on oil tankers that the U.S. has blamed on Iran for. Uh, the New York Times said the U.S. is set to impose further sanctions on Iran that President Trump has described as quote major. He said the sanctions were needed to prevent Tehran from obtaining nuclear weapons and economic pressure would be maintained unless Tehran changed course. Tensions between the U.S. and Iran um, have risen since the U.S. in the U.S. Um, wait, since the U.S. last year pulled out of a 2015 nuclear deal between Iran and the world powers and reinstated sanctions, triggering economic meltdown in Iran, as you know. Um, People are blaming uh, the government of Iran, not necessarily us, but they're blaming the government of Iran for the sanctions that were put on Iran. They're rioting all over the place. The um, information minister shut the internet off, so they couldn't get any information out to anyone over here, any any of their relatives. Um, and then when they turned the internet back on, we found out that they've killed hundreds to thousands of people that were rioting and protesting. So that's a thing going on over there, which I have an article on some rioting. Um, I think it's Beirut. The U.S. officials have also accused Iranian regime actors and their proxies of, quote, malicious cyber activity directed at U.S. industries and government agencies. Like I said, this is like the wave of the future. It's like, um, I guess, modern warfare is what they do now. It says, uh, this article says the U.S. and NATO are preparing for Russia to go after troops in the field and at home. So this is an interesting article. I read a little bit of this. Um, I'm going to get into this because now I'm going to start getting uh, into Russia, Turkey, uh, what North Korea is saying, uh, what fears should we possibly have from these other countries. And I'm going to get into some of this stuff now that I've covered the more local stuff. Since the beginning of 2017, after Dutch fighter pilots uh, deployed to Lithuania at a Baltic air uh, policing rotation called home using their own phones, their families started getting sinister phone calls. The men on calls made with prepaid SIM cards spoke English with Russian accents, according to reports in the Dutch media, and would ask the recipients questions like, do you know what your partner is doing there? And, quote, wouldn't it be better if he left? Later that summer, after U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Christopher L. Uh, Hero uh, took command of NATO base in Poland, he returned to his truck after a drill to find someone had breached his personal iPhone, turning, uh, turning on lost mode and trying to get around a second password using Russian IP address. It had a little a uh, Apple map, and in the center of the map was Moscow. Um, Hero, I guess that's his name who was stationed not far from a major Russian military base, told the Wall Street Journal in 2017. Uh, quote, it said, somebody is trying to access your iPhone. It says, those incidents and others like them reflect ongoing efforts by Russia 
Russians to misinform and intimidate civilians and troops in Europe and abroad. Malign influence of a great concern is of a great concern specifically in the information domain. U.S. Air Force General Todd Walters, head of the uh, U.S. European Command, told reports at a defense uh, writers group breakfast in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday. A comprehensive def- uh, defense involves air, land, sea, space, and cyberspace, which are the five domains that we recognize in NATO, uh, in NATO Walters added. But on the fringes of those domains, he said, is a hybrid activity, and part of a hybrid activity happens to be information operators, and from a malign influence standpoint, we see that often from Russia. So several soldiers under uh, Perot's uh, command had their phones or social media accounts hacked, according to the journal. Bolters, who took over European command in May of 2019, said U.S. personnel and families under his command hadn't been targeted with that kind of harassment. Spokesmen for British and French uh, contingents deployed to the Baltics have recently said the same of their troops, but they have encountered, quote, misinformation put out by Russian media, including state-backed television channel RT-TV. If they're part of U.S. UCOM and they're in Europe, and they happen to see RTTV, this is a classic example of misinformation, Walter said. Probably not to the severity of those 2017 incidents, he added, but it is another example of exposure of misinformation and from a malign influence perspective on behalf of Russia in the info sphere against citizens in Europe. Misinformation campaigns are central to Russia's strategy on and off the battlefield, as the 2016 U.S. elections interface showed and not limited to whoever happens to be watching RT. In Lithuania in 2017, officials warned of propaganda efforts seeking to undermine Lithuanian uh, territorial claims and set the stage for kinetic operations by Moscow, the president concerned among Russian's smaller Baltic neighbors. uh, Persistent, sorry. Uh, Russia is also suspected of orchestrating a broader disinformation campaign to smear NATO's reputation in Lithuania. Further north, Finland has dealt with Russian misinformation throughout the century since it declared independence from its larger neighbor, with which it shares a long border and contentious history. Helsinki launched an initiative to build media literacy and counterfake news among its citizens in 2014. The Finnish capital was also home to the European Center of Excellence for Countering Hybrid Threats, set up in 2017 by a dozen members of EU and NATO. Former U.S. Defense Secretary Jim Mattis praised the hybrid COE as it's uh, known for allowing democracies involved in research, shared concerns, and threats, each of us uh, learning from the other and building resistance to those with malign intent towards our democracy. While Walters said personal uh, said personnel under his command haven't experienced uh, the kind of electro- electronic interference since 2007 is something they should expect and prepare prepare for, according to Ken Giles, a senior consulting fellow with the Russian and Eurasia program at the British think tank uh, Chatham House, who called those 2017 inc- incidents unprecedented recent times. Uh, NATO forces should by now be training and exercising with the assumption that they will be under not only electronic and cyber attack, but also individual and personalized information attacks, including exploitation of personal data harvested from any connected device brought into the operational area, 
Giles wrote in August. Walter said his command and its European partners are working together to prepare troops to face and thwart that kind of assault. To have a good comprehensive defense, you have to be willing to deter in all domains to include the information domain so we have ongoing activities that involve um, what we do in U.S. UCOM with NATO nations and uh, what we do in U.S. UCOM with all partner nations, Walter said Tuesday. So if you want to read more into this article, uh, the link is in the description. Uh, you can go there and, and check it out. Pretty much uh, cyber attacks happening everywhere. Now, I found this article uh, yesterday, I believe it was. And uh, other guys started posting this. I didn't post it, but because I wanted to read it, and then you know, all my stuff went haywire, so I didn't get a chance to get this out yesterday. But this article says, "Should America fear North Korean EMP attack in 2020?" Does analysts like Jack, uh, Jack Lou, and Jeffrey Lewis are to be commended for their interest in educating the public about North Korea's missile and nuclear programs and endeavoring? Uh, and endeavoring to provide the readers with informed analysis. However, in a series of recent articles, both analysts have written of the possibility of a nuclear electromagnetic pulse, or EMP attack, from North Korea as, quote, unlikely, and, quote, science fiction, because they believe the 10 to 20 um, kiloton nuclear weapons currently possessed by North Korea are incapable of making an effective EMP attack. This dismisses the consensus view of EMP experts who have advanced degrees in physics and electroengineering, along with several decades of experience in the field, with access to classified data throughout that time, and uh, who have conducted EMP tests on a wide variety of electromagnetic systems beginning in 1963. By, the way, uh, by, by way of background, the Commission to assess the threat to the United States from electromagnetic pulse attacks was established by Congress in 2001 to advise the Congress, the President, the Department of Defense, and other departments and agencies of the U.S. government on the nuclear EMP threat to military systems and civilian infrastructures. The EMP Commission was reestablished in 2015 with its chapter broadened to include natural EMP from solar storms, or CMEs, coronal mass ejections, all mandate EMP threats, cyber attacks, sabotage, and combined arms, cyber warfare. And the EMP Commission Charter gives it access to all relevant classified and unclassified data and the power to levy analysis upon the Department of Defense. In the interest of better informing 38 North uh, readers about the EMP threat, we offer this commentary to correct errors of fact analysis and myths about EMP. So, uh, primitive and super EMP nuclear weapons are both EMP threats. The EMP Commission finds that even primitive, low-yield nuclear weapons are such a significant EMP threat that rogue states like North Korea um, or terrorists may well prefer using a nuclear weapon for EMP attack instead of destroying a city. In 2004 report, the Commission cautioned, quote, certain types of relative 
relatively low-yield nuclear weapons can be employed to generate potentially catastrophic EMP effects over wide geographic areas, and designs for variants of such weapons may have been illicitly trafficked uh, for a quarter century. In 2004, two Russian generals, both EMP experts, warned the EMP Commission that the design for a Russian super EMP warhead capable of generating high-intensity EMP fields of 200,000 volts per meter was, quote, accidentally transferred to North Korea, and that due to, quote, a brain drain, uh, Russia scientists were in North Korea helping with their missile and nuclear weapons programs. South Korea military intelligence told their press that Russian scientists were are in North Korea helping develop an EMP nuclear weapon. In 2013, a Chinese military commentator stated, North Korea has super EMP nuclear weapons. Super EMP weapons are low yield and designed to produce not a big kinetic explosion, but rather a high level of gamma rays, which generate the high frequency E1 EMP that is most damaging to the broadest range of electronics. North Korean nuclear tests, including the first in 2006, which was predicted to the EMP Commission two years in advance by the two Russian EMP experts, mostly have yields consistent with the size of a super EMP weapon. The Russian general's accurate prediction of when the, uh, the North would perform its first nuclear test and the yield being consistent with a super EMP weapon indicates their warning about North Korea's super EMP weapon should be taken very seriously. EMP threat from satellites. So this is an interesting one here. Uh, while most analysts are fixated on when uh, are fixated on when the future of North Korea will develop highly reliable intercontinental ballistic missiles, um, uh, guidance systems, and re-entry vehicles capable of striking a U.S. city, the present threat from EMP is largely ignored. An EMP attack does not require an accurate guidance system because the area of effect having a radius of hundreds or thousands of kilometers is so large. No re-entry vehicle is needed because the warhead is detonated at high altitude above the atmosphere. Missile reliability matters little because only one missile has to work to make an EMP attack. For instance, North Korea can make an EMP attack against the United States by launching a short-range missile off the uh, freighter or submarine, or by lofting a warhead to 30 kilometers burst height by balloon. While such lower altitude EMP attacks would not cover the whole U.S. mainland, as would attack at higher altitude, uh, 300 kilometers, even a balloon lofted warhead detonated at 30 kilometers altitude um, could black out the eastern grid that supports most of the population and generate 75% of U.S. electricity. Moreover, an EMP attack could be made by a North Korea satellite. The design of an EMP or even a super EMP weapon could relatively could be relatively small and lightweight, resembling the USW-79 enhanced radiation warhead nuclear artillery shell of the 1980s, designed in the 1950s. Such a device could fit inside North Korea's. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that word, right there. That deal right there. Um, and their satellites, which are satellites, that are presently orbit the Earth. Uh, the south polar trajectory of the KMS-3 and the KMS-4 evades the ballistic missile early warning radars and national missile defense, resembling a Russian secret weapon developed during the Cold War called the Fractional Orbital Bombardment System, or FOBs, that would have used a nuclear bomb or nuclear-armed satellite to make a surprise EMP attack on the United States. 
Kim Jong-un has threatened to reduce the United States to, quote, ashes with, quote, nuclear thunderbolts and threatened to retaliate for U.S. diplomatic and military pressure by ordering officials and scientists to complete preparations for a satellite launch as soon as possible amid the enemy's harsh sanctions and moves to stifle the North. Going hard. Uh, so this is addressing misinformation. It says, recent assessments by Jeffrey Lewis and Jack Liu regarding North Korea's EMP capabilities have some fundamental flaws. For starters, in this article, Jeffrey Lewis claimed that just one string of streetlights failed in Honolulu during the 1962 Starfish Prime high-altitude nuclear test, and that this is proof of EMP's harmlessness. In fact, the EMP knocked out 36 string of lights, caused a telecommunications microwave relay station to fail, buried out HF uh, radio links used for long-distance communications, set off burglar alarms, and caused other damage. The Hawaiian Islands also did not experience a catastrophic protected, uh, protracted blackout because they were on the far edge of the EMP field contour, where the effects are weakest, um, are surrounded by an ocean which mitigates EMP effects, and were still in an age dominated by vacuum tube electronics. In addition, the low-pulse E3 component, component of the EMP, EMP waveform only couples effectively to very long electric, pow electric power transmission lines present on large continents, but were in short supply in Hawaii. Starfish Prime was not the only test of this kind. Russia in 1961-62 also conducted a series of high-altitude nuclear bursts to test the EMP effects over Kazakhstan, an industrialized area nearly as large as Western Europe. That test damaged the Kazakh uh, electric grid. Moreover, modern electronics in part uh, because they are designed to operate at a much much lower voltages, are much more vulnerable to EMP than the electronics of the 1962 exposed to Starfish Prime and the Kazakh nuclear test. A similar EMP event over the U.S. today would be an existential threat. So if you want to read more on this, because it's a fairly long article and I don't want to continue to bore you with my stammering reading, um, then you can go to the uh, link in the description there too. Um, I'm going to say this, and, and because I, I watched them, uh, if you go to, just go to uh, uh, Marfugel uh, News, I think it's marfugelnews.com, uh, just go there. He has a deal on EMP. Um, it's basically a device that's created in Kansas. It'll protect you from EMP blasts. You can put them on your your generators, your house, your cars, and all those things. They're tested, approved. They work with the government. Go to his website. You get a discount. Uh, he'll help you out with that stuff. Uh, shout out to him. I plan on getting some soon. So um, this here is Lebanon crisis. Dozens hurt as police and protests clash in Beirut. So clashes between riot police and anti-government protesters in Lebanese capital of Beirut have left dozens of people wounded, witnesses say. The violence began as demonstrators who had been attacked during a sit-in by masked counter-protesters tried to move in into a square near Parliament. Police fired tear gas and rubber bullets while protesters threw stones. At least 20 officers were also wounded. Protests over economic mismanagement by the ruling elite began in October. 
and Saturday's events are some of the worst violence since the largely peaceful protests started. They triggered the resignation of the Prime Minister Saad Alahari, or Alahiri, I guess, I'm not sure. Uh, but talks to uh, form a new government are deadlocked. It was a very peaceful protest. Everyone was singing chants uh, that were on or that were one people um, that were all peaceful. And then some of the young guys pushed one of the fences that separated us. Mona Falls, uh, who was the protest, who was at the protest, told BBC, "We saw an enormous amount of police come out and really disperse us." Uh, push us, and then they started firing tear gas on us. Uh, there was really no reason for all this uh, demonstration of force. Riot police and security forces have been deployed in large numbers in Beirut, chasing demonstrators, beating and detaining some of them, Reuters News Agency reported. Some protesters tried to push through steel barriers, blocking the way to parliament and government buildings, and clashes continued late into Saturday night. The Lebanese Civil Defense said it had treated 54 people for injuries, taking more than half to hospital. It was not clear whether they were all civilians. Protests have been the largest seen in Lebanon in more than a decade, and they have cut across uh, the sectarian lines, a rare phenomenon since the devastating 1975-1990 civil war ended and involved people from all sectors of society. Demonstrators are angry at their leaders' failure to deal with stagnant economy, raising prices, high unemployment, and dire public services, and corruption. Their demands include to end the government corruption and to overhaul the political system and the formation of the independent non-sectarian cabinet. Talks between President Michael Aoun and uh, parliamentary blocks to name a new prime minister were expected to be held on Monday. So I say this always. Um, some people that watch this might not care and say that they're over there. These people want things that we take for granted. And they want freedom. They want um, a striving economy. They want to be able to be prosperous. And they're doing what we have rights under the Constitution to do, and that's peaceful protest. And then a lot of these you know, dictatorial governments, they're not allowed to have that freedom of speech that we have and, and often sometimes abuse. So... Um, I always say, you know, pray for these people, regardless if, if you align with their religious ideology or or not. Uh, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. So um, I will pray for them, and I hope that you guys will also pray for them as well. Um, this article says, U.S. envoy arrives in South Korea as Pyongyang ramps up pressure. So uh, Stephen uh, Bygan the U.S. Special Envoy for North Korea arrived in South Korea on Saturday as Pyongyang stepped up pressure on Washington to make concessions to revive stalled denuclearization talks ahead of a year-end deadline. Baygun's arrival came a day after North Korea said it made another, quote, crucial test at a rocket launch site to develop a strategic weapon to deter U.S. nuclear threats. Analysts said such threats could help North Korea build more reliable intercontinental ballistic missiles, or ICBMs, capable of reaching the United States. Begun did not make any uh, commit comments upon arrival at the airport near Seoul on Sunday afternoon. Begun's plans uh, to meet with South Korean President Moon Jae-in uh, on Monday as a part of his three-day before uh, three-day stay before leaving for Tokyo to consult with his Japanese counterpart. 
is a new it is unclear uh, whether he will meet with North Korean officials at the inner Korean border. Abegan's trip led to speculation he might try to salvage negotiations reaching out to North Korea or by publicly sending a message. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and U.S. President Donald Trump met three times since last year to negotiate an end of Pyongyang's uh, nuclear and missile programs, but there has been uh, scant progress. North Korea has vowed to take unspecified, quote, new path if the United States fails to address its demands before the end of the year. And they also said that they would let us pick out our Christmas gift, whatever, you know, that vague statement meant. Um, tension has been uh, rising in recent weeks as Pyongyang has conducted a series of weapons tests and stepped up criticism of the United States, stoking fears that the two countries could return to a, a collision course that they had been on before launching diplomacy last year. Continue to keep an eye on this, but uh, as far as I know, which, like I said, I hadn't checked the news really today because I've been busy trying to get all this uh, stuff fixed. As far as I know, they haven't launched off anything else but um i'm gonna keep watching it christmas is what two weeks something like that we'll see what kind of gifts they allowed us to pick out uh this article says now i'm gonna get into the stuff with turkey uh this article says turkey says s400 system vital uh will retaliate any u.s sanctions so as you know before, some of you may know, some of you might not know. Um, Turkey bought S-400s, I think it, from Russia, I think that was in 2016. It's one of my videos. Um, and then they've had them, and then they said that they were going to test them, and this was like two, three weeks ago. And then the U.S. said, well, you don't need to be testing those things. And Erdogan, uh, the Turkey government, went ahead and, and tested them. So uh, now we're getting into more stuff that's going on, more beef. Erdogan always says he's going to buck the system pretty much whenever um, whenever he's told not to do anything. So it's going to get crazy. I've, I've always thought this for a long time, and I've said it for over a decade. I think that uh, Turkey is going to be one of the countries that are the catalyst for what happens over in the Middle East, whether it be through uh, proxy or direct uh, retaliation or initiation. I think that they will probably be the catalyst for the you know ww that's going to happen over in the middle east just always had that feeling um so turkey says s400 system is quote vital and will retaliate any u.s sanctions and also after he got the u.s sanctions the first time um he went to um uh, xi jinping and he got money from him not a whole lot of people covered that. I think Dabu covered it. Um, uh, some other guys I watched didn't cover it, but uh, they're also Dabu covers it, but uh, some other guys don't cover it. They're also opening up trade routes from Asia uh, through the Middle East into Russia, um, Venice, different places, and then um, I guess that's how they're gonna. Uh, China's gonna, you know, recoup the payment is through them opening their borders for their transactions. And then also they try, they signed a huge, uh, like it was a Asia, a bunch of Asian countries came together and signed a trade agreement and it involved exports to Australia and a bunch of other places. So they're building up over there. They're getting a separation and, and uh, they're, they're getting separation and away from so much dependency upon us. 
and we're starting to see, you know, China become more dominant. Not only, I mean, they've been dominating technology for decades, but uh, starting to show show themselves a little bit more. Turkey's just popped up, and they're back on the scene. They haven't really been on the scene in a long time, and that's why I said this. I believe they're a catalyst because anytime something starts to pop off, they're the first ones that that kind of just come out of nowhere and start with their stuff. So Turkish Foreign Minister um, uh, Mevlut Husavlu—I can't even pronounce these names, and I'm sorry—has um, repeated a retaliation threat against any U.S. sanctions over Ankara's purchase of a Russian missile defense system. Speaking at a conference in Qatar's capital Doha, um, he said on Saturday that Turkey would not cancel its deal with Russia over the S-400 missile uh, system, whatever the consequences. Oh, yeah, by the way, also, uh, Russia is staging a whole bunch of these S-400 systems along uh, their little continental area by the uh, Arctic over there. So pretty much like a ground-to-air defense missile system, um, like a uh, rather large version of the Iron Dome. Sanctions and threatening language never work, but if sanctions are placed, Turkey will have to reciprocate um, he said on a Doha forum, a two-day conference billed as a global platform for dialogue. NATO allies Turkey and the United States have been at odds over the former, uh, former's purchase of the advanced system, which the latter says is not compatible with NATO defenses and is a threat to its F-35 stealth fighter jets. So this week, senators in the, Uni in the U.S. backed legislation to impose sanctions on Turkey over the S-400 deal earlier this year and its recent military operation in northern Syria. The vote, which was immediately condemned by Turkey, was seen, uh, was seen as the latest move to push U.S. President Donald Trump to, to take a harder line against Ankara. The Trump administration has so far not imposed sanctions, despite the president in 2017 signing a sanctions law that mandates financial penalties for countries that do business with Russia's military. Amid already strained bilateral ties, Washington has suspended Ankara from the U.S. F-35 stealth fighter jet program, in which, uh, in which it was a producer and buyer, uh, to penalize, to penalize it for buying the Russian system. Uh, yet, this gentleman uh, said that the purchase, the purchase, the first such move between a NATO member and Russia, was a necessity. We are very desperate for an air defense system. Uh, we tried to procure it from the U.S. and others, but it didn't work. This is a defense system that is vital for us. Um, by the way, I also read this article in the prior video. Uh, Turkey is one of the first ones that is uh, buying uh, the drones with the machine guns attached to them that can be operated three at a time by one person. Uh, so that's coming. As you know, China comes out with their drones that's got looks like a freaking semi-automatic shotgun at the bottom of it. It's crazy. Uh, it says the SDF is spearheaded by the Kurdish People's Protection Units, or YPG, which Ankara considers, quote, terrorist group, and an offshoot of the um, Kurdistan Workers Party, or PKK, which, was which has waged a decades-long armed fight against the Turkish state that killed tens of thousands of people. 
referring to the operation in Syria, uh, this gentleman also said that while bilateral relations remain strong, quote, outstanding issues between the two countries exist. U.S. is still our ally because Trump understands that values, uh, values relations with us, um, he also said, by adding that Turkey remains a committed member of NATO and one of the biggest armies in NATO. Um, but we are expecting from the U.S. to disengage from the YPG-PPK, which is a threat to our national security, he added. The military operation came shortly after Trump pulled back his country's troops from parts of Syria east of the Euphrates River, and Ankara said it wants to create, quote, a safe zone cleared of Kurdish fighters to facilitate the reparation uh, of some of the 3.6 million refu refugees it hosts on its soil and to open trade routes for China. But they're not saying that. So, there's another article on, on Turkey. Uh, Turkey doubles down on the fight in Libya, but its sights are elsewhere. So Libya's aspiring strongman Khalifa Haftar has besieged Tripoli for months in a bid to enter the capital, unseat the UN-recognized government, and cement his hold over the country. But the Sept... Sept... Uh, the Septuater... Denarian as the Libyan National Army has made little headway despite his many backers. Now there is a new urgency in his campaign as tensions rise in a nearby flashpoint, uh, the Eastern Mediterranean Sea. Saber-rattling began last month when Turkey signed a memorandum of understanding uh, with the Libyan government in Tripoli establishing economic maritime boundaries in the Mediterranean. The agreement, which went into effect last week, involves the same underwater region where Greece, Cyprus, Israel, and Egypt also are competing for gas and oil riches. This will lead into the next article I'm going to read. I believe is the final one. The deal has brought fresh uh, umbrage uh, upon Turkish uh, President um, Dogan from the European Union, Egypt, and others, and it also threatens to an escalation in Libya's long-festering civil war, uh, with Turkey set to deploy its troops to ensure the survival of the so-called government of national accord and the maritime agreement with it. Even as Haftar's uh, patrons, including Russia, the United Arab Emirates, and France, redouble their efforts to destroy it. Threat to add Turkish boots on the ground in Libya, a chaotic free-for-all of militias fighting alongside mercenaries from Russia, Sudan, and uh, Chad, as well as a military personnel from Egypt, the United Arab Emirates, and France, has stirred up a flurry of diplomatic uh, maneuverings. On Wednesday, Erdogan phoned Russian President Vladimir Putin to discuss the possibility of, quote, a speedy ceasefire and resumption of entire Libyan peace talks, according to Russian state news. Egyptian President Adel Fattah Sisi spoke before a forum in the south of Egypt, saying he planned along uh, planned along with partner states to end the crisis in Libya, quote, within months. Greece and Turkey tussled over the legality of the maritime agreement in the United Nations, and the U.S. already alarmed by reports of Russian troops in the country, uh, discussed Libya in a meeting between Secretary of State Michael uh, Pompeo and Russian Foreign Minister Sergei uh, Lavrov. There is no military solution to this. There is no capacity for any of the forces that are competing there to resolve this 
in a way that they can create victory on the battlefield that leads to a political resolution that has stability, said Pompeo after the meeting. We want to work with the Russians to get, uh, to, get to the negotiating table, have a series of conversations that ultimately lead to a disposition that creates uh, what the UN has been trying to do for an awfully long time. There was little talk of political resolution from Haftar. From Haftar. The zero hour is nigh. The hour of crushing incursion awaited by every honorable free Libyan. And Haftar, in a televised address Thursday, meant to exhort his troops to wage, quote, final assault on Tripoli. Since then, his Libyan national army forces have escalated their offenses on Tripoli's southern outskirts. At stake is more than just a mass a massive wealth of Libya, a country flush with the world's 10th largest oil reserves and vast mineral resources, not to mention its status as a major transit hub with almost 1,200 miles of Mediterranean coastline. Uh, there are also some 1.7 billion barrels of recoverable oil and 122 trillion cubic feet of gas estimated to be in the East Mediterranean, according to a 2010 study by the U.S. A geological ge geographical survey it is a protected bonanza that has already kicked up in acrimonious disputes among nations in the region. U.S. companies are already investing investing in in those areas. This month, Noble Energy, a Houston-based hydrocarbon exploration company, said it will deliver commercial gas sales to the Israeli domestic market and regional markets from the Leviathan field off Israeli shores. ExxonMobil has announced one of the world's largest national gas discoveries near the Greek portion of Cyprus and said it would work with the Greek uh, Cypriot government to develop it. Cyprus is a divided country, with Turkey recognizing a Turkish uh, Cypriot state in the northern part of the island. So if you want to go on to read more of this, you can read more of this. Uh, the link is in the description below. I don't think this article, this article is fairly short. This is the last one I have. It says, uh, Turkish Navy engages Israeli research ship, deporting it out of Cyprus. So the, uh, the article that I read prior to this has to do a little bit with why they're in Cyprus, why they're wanting to get dominion over the area, and basically why they're booting out, um, you know, Isra Israeli research ships. Um, don't know if they'll end up going at it, but I do know from what scriptures say, that this country is, you know, uh, I think it's in Matthew, it says, uh, whenever you see Israel surrounded by its enemies, know that the end is near. Well, they're already surrounded by their enemies, um, and they have been for a very long time. Uh, but one of the most dominant ones in the area is Turkey. And now they're back into this, and now they're, you know, kind of, um, I guess, you know, showing themselves or, or their dominance over uh, Israel by doing this to a research ship. So, this article says the Turkish Navy deported an Israeli research ship near Cyprus two weeks ago. This happened two weeks ago. The National Infrastructure, Energy, and Water Ministry confirmed on Saturday Bagalin, a vessel belonging to Israeli ocean uh, oceanographic and uh, liminological research, had researchers from Ben Gurion University. Uh, in the Negev aboard, as well as a Cypriot geologist, 
who are doing research approved by the government of Cyprus in Cyprus territorial waters. Turkey does not have jurisdiction over the area of the Mediterranean, over the Mediterranean Sea in which the researchers were working. Um, but its navy demanded that Bagalim move further south, as first reported on Channel 13. The incident took place several weeks after Turkey and Libya signed an agreement dividing up authority over the areas of the Mediterranean between their two countries, which ignores Cyprus and Greece's economic rights in the area, <clears throat> granting them to Turkey. The Turkish foreign minister summoned Israel's top diplomat in Ankara earlier this week to inform him that Israel's plans to lay down a natural gas pipeline to Europe in that part of the Mediterranean Sea in corroboration with Greece and Cyprus, would require Turkey's approval, Channel 3 reported. So, we'll see how that goes. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm not sure um, what's going to happen with that, but like I said, I, I do know... Um, Israel will be one of the, uh, well, they'll, all, all biblical prophecies based around Israel in the Middle East. Uh, they are surrounded by their enemies, but on top of that, you have one of the most dominant armies in NATO. Uh, one of them is acquiring S-400s. One of them is going against what we say. They're getting sanctioned. They're going for outsourced money to back them and pad their government while they're undergoing sanctions from our country. They're fighting in Syria to open trade routes. They're becoming more dominant in the Middle East. And this is why I believe, and I speculate, that they will be a catalyst for what happens um, in the Middle East. So I'm going to continue to watch that. So um, if you did like the video, go ahead and, and hit the like button. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, go ahead and su subscribe. If you don't like the video, hit the dislike button. Uh, thanks to all those who uh, subscribe to the channel. Um, I you know, mentioned your name at the beginning of this. Um, and thank you, uh, Chuck, for commenting and, and uh, talking in the chat. I appreciate it. You're, you're like uh, the number one dude that's always on here. So if you liked any of the if, if you liked any of the articles that I read, all the links are posted in the description below. And uh, whenever I get done editing this podcast, and then I will upload it to its platform, and I'll also post that link to the description um, in uh, beneath the video. If you guys want to send articles, you can always send them to KingsmanReport2019 at gmail.com. And you can always call in the phone number that's scrolling across the bottom of the screen. And I think that's pretty much all I have for tonight. I'm going to go ahead and sign off here. Um, so thanks again for everyone that subscribed. Thanks to those that watched the video. Thanks for those who uh, liked the video. And I appreciate it uh, very much so. Um, another thing, if you want to check out the podcast, all the links for all of the for the social medias, for the podcast, for iTunes, for all of it, are in the About section of this channel. You can just go to the About section. It has all the links for everything. Um, you can go there, listen to the podcast, find the podcast links there, and all the social medias, and you can follow me on there. I post articles, all, all types of stuff. I'm going to go ahead and sign off here. Um, you guys, like I said, pray for the people that are in, in Beirut. Um, you know, pray for the people surrounding each other it's getting crazy out here uh pray for your friends your family you know check on everybody this time of year um and just you know, stay up and, and and try to keep it together 
Oh, and I'm going to go ahead and sign off here. So until next time, y'all bless you guys and shalom. Have a good evening.